0: Hi, I'm Laura Mize, Pediatric Speech-Language Pathologist, and welcome to totalk.coms the podcast. This is show number 400. I'm so excited. It's kind of a milestone show. So one of the things that I wanted to do today is talk about something that's very, very common, with toddlers and preschoolers with language delays and it's the the horrible time that they have sometimes in jumping from single words to phrases and this can stress lots of us as therapists or adults out when we are trying to work with a kid because we think we have worked so hard but we really 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 want to hear that Uh, speech that sounds more conversational. And you really can't get to sentences with a child, which is truly conversational, until you hear some phrases. And so for lots of different children who've had language delays, this is kind of a a make it or break it point. And so I want to share with you some tips or the seven best strategies for helping uh, toddlers move to phrases. So before we get to that, though, I want to remind you that if you're watching this on youtube you can click the link and go to my website at teachmetotalk.com and get ce credit for this course for only five dollars now if you are a speech language pathologist or an early interventionist in the state you're still having to rack up those ce units even if you're not seeing kids right now because you need to be sure that you keep your credentialing and your licensure so even if you're listening and some uh Therapists have jokingly written me emails and said, hey, I'm not seeing kids anymore, but I'm still listening to those podcasts. This is kind of my habit. I, I listen when I work out or I listen when I drive or whatever it is. So if you're just listening and not watching this, be sure that you go to teachmetotalk.com too and get your CE credit because it can, again, really, really help you rack up those CE credits. All right. So, and don't forget if you are watching or listening that when you purchase credit for the CE course, you can get a handout now. Lots of parents have told me that they're paying for the course and getting uh, don't need the credit. Don't they? Don't even I, I? think that they still have to do the little dots on the the completion forms when you are um, purchasing that course, so that you can get down to the part that you can download the PDF. But the PDF is so valuable because you have the notes from the show, and then you can share these handouts with. Uh, families or if you're a parent with the other parent who's perhaps not listening to the show but you really want to talk to them about these strategies or maybe even a therapist lots of therapists tell me hey i found you from one of the moms on my caseload who listens to your show or who's uh been to your website or watched your youtube videos so that's that's great too so i'm going to let you know about this resource but you can only get it if you purchase credit so Look at that, take a look at that, if that's something that you feel that you need. So let's talk about phrases and kind of start at the beginning so that you'll have a good idea of the background of what's normal. When is it normal for a child to begin to use phrases? So children with typically developing skills begin to use those short two and three word phrases by the time they're 18 months old. Now, if you're a parent, you may freak out right now hearing me say that because you have a two and a half year old or a three year old who's not there yet, but that's okay. And for those of us who work with language-delayed kids all the time, one of the things we really try to do is always give parents hope and always help parents kind of take the sting out of hearing when something is developmentally appropriate. So sometimes we don't tell parents that. And so we've got a kid that maybe is turning three that's gotten to the phrase point and mom thinks he's fantastic and he is because he's made all that progress. And again, we wanna be as positive and as hopeful as we can be with children. However, parents do need to occasionally (laughs) be reminded of what's normal. And so kids really do start to use language when they, are use phrases, when their language development reaches that benchmark level of, of vocabulary with words that they say all the time, not just that they imitate, they've gotta say them on their own, so they need to be spontaneous uh, when, when they get spontaneous words that, that, uh, enough, they'll start to produce those phrases independently on their own. And sometimes this will kind of take a parent by surprise. And I remember my oldest child now, who's 30, <laughs> uh, when he started doing phrases and he was, he was a little younger than that 18 month, uh, level language is kind of his thing. And he, one day he just popped out, um, I love my Pop-Tarts. And he had said a couple of little phrases before then, and that is more of a sentence. But as a mom, and even as a speech-language pathologist, and even, you know, I was so young, so young, you know, in my 20s, uh, tw- he was born when we were 23, and I, that still surprised me, even as a professional, because he just popped out that little sentence. But a lot of times we're expecting that from children who are still using single words predominantly. And that really doesn't happen because language does develop, no matter if a child is a light talker or if there's a language disorder, which we're going to talk about, language does develop in a pretty predictable Sequence. Now, for our kids that have language disorders, and again, we're going to talk about that in a minute. What are the underlying reasons that a kid can't get to phrases? You know, that's one of the things that we look for, but it's also one of the things that that parents really expect to happen is that they think he's just going to pop out, he's going to wake up tomorrow morning talking in full sentences, and that just rarely, rarely, rarely happens. So, I don't want to discourage parents by saying that, but I do want to be truthful so that you know a lot of times you really have to work on this and help a child get to the phrase level. just like you had to help him get to that single word level. All right, so let's talk about that. And before we get to those strategies for teaching a toddler to use phrases, let's talk about the common reasons that a child may not speak in phrases. First of all, we've already mentioned language delay. Now, if you've been uh, listening to my shows or reading my information or maybe have some of my therapy manuals, you know that I talk about this a lot, the difference between language delay and language disorder. And if you're a therapist and aren't really uh, explaining this to parents very often, you probably need to add this <laughs> to your little uh, repertoire of discussions that you have with parents because it's so, so important. And as a therapist, this is something you know, but it may not be something that you apply in your everyday practice. So let's talk about the difference between a language delay and a language disorder. And kids who aren't doing phrases, they cannot be doing phrases for, um, um, you know, lots of reasons. We're going to talk about six of those right now. But let's start just with this basic language delay and language disorder. Language delay means that there is just a problem with timing. so that. A child's milestones are coming in. They're just slow. So even though he might be 24 months or 30 months or he's turned three or four, he still sounds like a younger child. And that's language delay. And again, it's not that there are lots of unexpected things going on. Everything is really happening happening in a sequential manner like we already talked about but it's just really, really, really slow. And so when we already said that we hear phrases uh, from a kid at 18 months, a kid with a language delay might not use phrases until he's two or two and a half, or again, maybe even closer to three. And so we have to think about that with parents. And there are, when we start to talk about the strategies that we use, there's, there are particular strategies that will be more effective for particular problems or particular diagnoses so if you're a therapist this is super super important too because you want to be sure that you're picking the right strategies but our language delay language disorder talk is really important for parents because sometimes with delay um, you you parents again don't really understand that things are still going to kind of keep that slower pace even though we're working with a child in therapy they don't always catch up as quickly as we would like. And so sometimes you have to talk about the 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 amount of delay. The gap is closing. So when you first started to see a child and let's say that you got a referral when he's or you're a parent and you have a kid and you've been to that that you're child's second birthday checkup and you've gotten there and the doctor has said you tell him he says 10 words and the doctor panics a little bit and says gosh we got to get him in speech and so you go when you have your child evaluated and the therapist says you know really he's functioning at a 12 to 15 month level well what kind of gap is that that's a year-long gap and so then and again that's disheartening for parents to hear and sometimes they really disagree with it because they say he's so Smart, he can't be a year behind. But you have to realize that we are looking at these isolated skills. So even though a child may have some strengths in Uh, other developmental domains, he could still be at that 12-month level in expressive language because of that delay. So he's just not talking yet. There are not really other things that are really, really, really delayed, but there's that year gap in expressive language. And so as a therapist, we may work and work and work with the child, and he's made incredible progress. And then in six months... he's still behind, but it may only be a six-month delay versus the year gap. And so it is going to take uh, most kids who are in therapy some time to catch up and some time to close that gap. So be sure that you're talking about parents uh, about that, even at the beginning, because again, sometimes you'll start working with a kid even before they're two, and a parent will expect that therapy may only last three months or may only last six months or something like that. And so Okay, let's pick back up with our discussion here. Um, So a parent may, again, need you to help explain that to them, that that therapy takes a little bit longer (laughs) than they may initially expect. And some children with language delay do catch up very quickly. So some do. And you may have kids who kind of do that. Those are your stars in therapy. But a lot of the time, we're going to have to talk to parents about, you know, it's going to take a little while longer. You know, it takes more than just a few little weeks to get a lot of these Uh, issues moving in the right direction. So, that was language delay. There's a problem with timing there. The child's skills are coming in. They're coming into that expected sequence, but it's just slower. Now, the next thing that we want to talk about is language disorder. Now, language disorders mean that things are out of sequence. There's a real atypical Presence about their language development. And so a child, again, may be doing some things that are way higher than you would expect, but there are some significant gaps because he's missing some skills that should have been attained at. Earlier, easier developmental levels. And so when we have when kids have a language disorder, they often have a hard time going to phrases because there's so many things that are really disrupted in that process. And it's not just vocabulary development as it probably was with language delay. It's not just that they haven't gotten there yet, that they haven't built to their vocabulary. There are some other differences that are happening in the ways that they process language. Probably and also then in the ways that they express language. So when they start to talk, some things aren't going to be uh, a- as we would expect. And so we see this a lot in children with autism because that is a language disorder, not just a language delay. Uh, we see it also even with apraxia. Apraxia is a speech disorder and it's characterized again by children who can't plan their um, motor movements for speech. And we'll talk a little bit more specifically about apraxia in a minute when we talk about motor coordination issues or sequencing issues but again those are language disorders or speech disorders that certainly affect how a child will begin to acquire language and so again these are really really important issues to talk with parents about because sometimes they are just expecting that little catch-up growth as we talked about with language delay when really there are more significant problems. And again, when a kid has a language disorder, it's usually not just an expressive language issue. There are usually other things and other problems that are going on too. And so we'll talk about that a little bit as we proceed, but those are the big things. Let's talk about some other reasons that a child may have difficulty making that leap from words to phrases. And again, as a therapist, this will give you some idea of the strategies that will probably be more successful than other things that you may try. And so sometimes we just have environmental issues which mean that a child <coughs> excuse me uh, just simply is not isn't hearing or hasn't been exposed to enough language for him to begin to do phrases on his own. And again we might see this in children who have been severely neglected. We also see it in children who uh, for, for whatever reason, their moms and dads either speak to them in full paragraphs just like they would another adult or in single words. And this happens too sometimes when parents just are kind of stuck themselves on teaching one kind of word. And so they may just have really focused on nouns with a kid with a, a language delay who uh, uh, and, and just taught them as single words. And so everything a lot of what a parent says is just directed to a child when they're really, really uh, thinking about improving their communication skills are just single words. So they're staying with things like instead of saying, do you want some water? They're just saying water. And again, this this isn't a problem that happens a lot, but it happens often enough that I'll know when when I'm working with a family and I have a, a parent who's kind of, uh maybe fixated on academic language so they're always trying to get their child to say what color something is or what shape something is or they'll they'll really be so excited about letter identification or number identification that they kind of forget (laughs) that kids can't really use those words functionally to communicate so sometimes it will kind of be an environmental uh, fix that we'll want to do because we just change the way that a parent models language and then that really helps a child catch up. But again it's not as, as clear cut as that there are usually some other things going on too but it's enough of a problem that I see it sometimes when I can get a mom or a dad to really change what they model and that we're all now instead of being so focused on single words and sometimes I've kind of done this inadvertently with a parent in therapy they've been talking again in paragraphs and I've tried so hard to pull them down to that single word level it's hard to get them to make that bump when I say okay now come on now you guys stay with me we're working on phrases here so I need you to model some phrases." when you're trying to teach them something. And so let, let's kind of think about that as a strategy too. All right, another reason that children may not speak in phrases is that there there are underlying cognitive issues. And this happens often with children who have global developmental delays, meaning that they aren't just like talkers, but they are late in everything they're self hop skills are delayed, their fine motor skills are delayed, they are late walkers, so they have some issues with all of those things, and they just seem, again, when you look at their behaviors or their, their skills that they are, uh, using it's it's like a much younger child again because they have that global developmental delay and sometimes those kids too will also have a medical diagnosis and so when we see that there are these underlying cognitive issues we know that phrases are going to be a little harder and why does that make a difference because sometimes kids with toddlers particularly with uh, and preschoolers if they haven't gotten past this developmental point. Cognitively, they're not really at that 18-month developmental level yet where they start to join concepts or join ideas in play. And we'll see this a lot with kids who maybe seem like they're playing with something, but you've got to really, really... Look, and they really are only using one object at a time. So this would be a kid who gets so mad at you. If he's playing with a truck and you try to put a person in the truck to drive the truck, or you might try to hook a trailer on and even put an animal in the back, (laughs) or something, let's say he's playing with a kitchen set, and you notice that he's just kind of fixated on the cup, with the kitchen set and all he wants to do is pretend like he's drinking from the cup and it's really hard for you to get him to do anything else with it. He doesn't really want to give you a drink with it. He won't pretend with a doll or a stuffed animal. He has a hard time when you try to show him how to stir with the spoon. He may kind of in the cup he may resist that not really want to put those two objects together and so you start to see that with kids or they'll like the kitchen set they'll just kind of sit and go through if there are lots of uh, pieces of plastic food there you'll see them with maybe the ice cream cone well they're going to try to lick that and they'll try to take a bite of the cookie but everything is just one thing at a time and those kids have a really hard time joining ideas. This happens a lot with kids with autism. And so, so many parents have told me in the past that, you know, nobody ever talked to me about that. I didn't really understand that. I didn't really kind of push him in play to learn to include two things or to sequence two actions because he just gets so mad when he does it. And I didn't realize that that really is an important cognitive bump. And again, let me talk about this with kids. You can't really make them (laughs) join an idea. And you can't really make them do a phrase they've kind of got to get there on their own but we facilitate that by teaching them how to join ideas and uh in play and again that happens better when we do something concretely like right in front of them and, and uh making them do it rather something that's abstract like using two words together and i can see sometimes when this has happened with a child that even when i've made this mistake when there have been global delays so they have a significant medical or developmental diagnosis already and I'm really really pushing phrases and then I think gosh Laura you know you better stop it right here because even though they may be able to say that phrase it's still not really conceptually uh, mastered by that child. And again, you can tell by play. So look at kids like that and make sure that during play, you are joining two ideas and joining two objects and again, sequencing. And so if you need some help with that, I've done a lot of podcasts on play. So go back and look at those, those seven steps for teaching a toddler to pretend play uh, are just critical for working with kids like this because you really got to walk them through that play process. And when they master this concept of joining ideas, then they're going to be developmentally ready to uh, join words as they communicate in language. So that's another, that's kind of the fourth reason or fourth common reason that I found in my career uh, that children may not speak in phrases. All right, the fifth one we've already talked about a little bit, it's when a child has motor planning or coordination issues. And we mentioned apraxia or childhood apraxia of speech or suspected childhood apraxia of speech, and if you are not a speech language pathologist, you may be quite surprised to learn about the controversy of using the diagnosis of apraxia in a child that's under three. It's often overused, and lots of parents, again, kind of do this even without the help of a therapist. They'll read on the internet, even on a site like mine, where I try to just be so hopeful but truthful at the same time they'll read and they'll think that their child has apraxia when really maybe autism is what is the kind of the global reason or the main reason that a child isn't talking but the parent will pick up on a list of speech characteristics that children with apraxia use and or exhibit, and they'll believe that apraxia is the child's main concern when really, really it's it's something else. With autism, it would be the social communication piece that we have to work on first. And let me say one more word about this. I feel like I'm talking myself in a hole here, but I want you to hear this as well. Uh, there's a study that says over 60% of children with autism also have apraxia. So that's another reason that parents kind of get hung up on that. And therapists can even do this too. And earlier in my career, I would say that I probably did overuse apraxia uh, or use it too early with a parent. And now I hold back a little bit. And even if I suspect apraxia, we talk about that. And I work with that family or that kid for a little while before I start throwing that diagnosis out there. And ASHA, the American Speech and Hearing Association, really advises that we wait until a child is over two to really talk or over three to really talk about that firm diagnosis of uh, childhood apraxia of speech Um, but many many times it's so clear when a child is two that that's the real issue and we go ahead and diagnose that and talk about that and get the right strategies in place but when a child can't coordinate his uh, motor movements purposefully like that, he's going to have a really hard time getting to phrases because you have to sequence so many sounds and so many syllables to get there. And it sometimes it's, a kid can do an uh, an easier kind of phrase when it's just like more milk, because that's just two syllables, but then you try to make, make that a little bit longer, you know, um, more chocolate milk or more bubbles please they can't do it it kind of falls apart and so for that reason a lot of kids aren't making that leap from single words to phrases because they instinctively kind of know gosh this is hard nobody understands me when I say this and again this isn't something that a child could ever tell you yet uh, that's just what's happening there it's easier for a mom to understand one word or for people to understand one word so they kind of get stuck there because when they try to do uh Multisyllabic words or phrases like we're talking about today it just kind of falls apart their intelligibility stinks <laughs> it declines and so or they can't do it at all they just can't get it out it's just not there yet and so that's something that we look at too and so for our little friends with apraxia we see that a lot where they have a you know it, it might take a while to get those single words going and then they m- they just have a really 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 hard time again sequencing well enough to do phrases and that's why some experts will say with with kids with apraxia and motor planning issues you should go straight to phrases because you don't want them sounding so developmentally behind uh and you really want to get that sequencing going but i found there's some better ways to do that and so i want to be sharing i want to make sure that i share those with you today and we talk about that but there is kind of a controversy there uh, among professionals about whether we should go, go to phrases more quickly than i'm talking about today in this information with a kid with apraxia than um than a kid with another kind of problem that's making phrases more difficult for him. All right, and then the last issue that we want to talk about that would be a common reason that a child may not speak in phrases is another physical problem. So this might be a kid who has uh, noticeable muscular differences. So these are our kids with gross motor delays. They're later to walk as well, later to run, later to climb. Any, it may have started back in infancy, later to roll over, or lighter to sit up and again these are kids that you know probably have lower muscle tone our little friends with down syndrome our little friends with um, any other kind of neurological deficit that's really again um, you can see throughout their little bodies and so for those kids phrases are going to be harder because it's just physically harder we're going to talk about breath support and Uh, again, just structurally when they have lower muscle tone, again, it's just they have to work a little harder to get that going. So phrases, anything longer for them to say, it's going to take more effort. And so again, we've got to get them over that hump with some things that we do uh, to make that easier for them. But that might be another reason. Our little friends with dysarthria, And we'll talk about that as we go. That's the speech diagnosis. If you are not a speech-language pathologist, that uh, really refers to a child with, again, um, identifiable neurological differences that cause muscle tone uh, differences. So the tone is either higher or lower. And uh, that's just an obvious kind of issue that that's going to be harder for a child to talk because their body is not... Uh, functioning in a way or the starting point is kind of different because their muscle tone is different and so we have to help them do some different things too. So those are the reasons that a child may not speak in phrases and those are really really important because again I told you that we can target our interventions that will um, be more successful or in a way that again, is specific to the diagnosis. Now, it doesn't always work like this, and I don't, I don't want you to feel like, uh, Laura Mai said that if a kid has apraxia, these are the only strategies that work for, uh, moving a kid to phrases. That's not exactly what I'm saying, <laughs> but it will get you, uh, headed in the right direction, and if you want to have a physical reference or a more in-depth explanation for this information. This is all included in my therapy manual, Building Verbal Imitation Skills in Toddlers, And it walks you step by step through this process and getting to phrases is is the last level it's level eight in this you know and so for some kids we've had to work through the whole process of teaching them how to imitate they've had to learn how to imitate actions and they've had to learn how to imitate gestures and then they did play sounds and environmental sounds and then they finally got to exclamatory words and then they got to only using words in automatic uh, verbal routines, and automatic speech and verbal routines, and then they got to single words, and then they got your phrases, but guess what? You're still going to have to work hard to get them at that phrase level. Now, thankfully, some kids with language delays move right along once we build their vocabulary base, and that's what we're going to talk about right now, is that that's our first strategy for teaching toddlers to use phrases is getting that vocabulary built. And do you remember, this is a pop quiz, do you remember what I said is the benchmark level for children to begin to use phrases independently when their language development is uh, within that typical range? It's that they usually have between 35 and 50 words. And so I kind of err on the side of building as much single word vocabulary as I can before we purposefully work on phrases in therapy. And i found that this really is the best way for the majority of children because we always want to be sure as early interventionists and as pediatric practitioners that we are supporting uh, language that kids can generate in a more naturalistic way. And so when we do a lot to work on phrases with a kid who who, who may only have 10 words or 20 words, what are you doing there? You're really creating a splinter skill because children with typically developing language aren't at that phrase level yet. They're still acquiring a variety of single words to use to be able to uh, combine them independently or generate those phrases on their own. And so we have to be really, really sure that we are building a child's vocabulary so that we support that natural phrase production and this this kind of is a way too that you'll you'll know as a therapist if you're still kind of stuck on that is this a delay or is this a disorder and sometimes we get stuck there and if and you you get a kid to that that 50 word level and voila they start to do phrases on their own and that's what we want to hear so that's our very first and best strategy for helping a child begin to use phrases is really, really take a look at a child's spontaneous vocabulary. Now, I already said this for uh therapist, and I know that you got it, but if you're a parent listening, spontaneous is a really, really important word here. You want the child to be doing phrases or words, enough words on his own. So not imitating you or copying you, even though that's so important, and it's fantastic that a child can do that, and you've probably worked him up to that, but we want kids to really learn to use these words again independently so that they're not having to hear you say the word first and then they say it. And so we want you as a parent, what I have uh, parents do as uh, in my practice is keep a word journal. And this is what I advise parents to do too if I'm just consulting with them over Skype or, you know, we've gotten kind of an email exchange back, going back and forth. And I can't always do that, so... <laughs> Don't bombard me with those and, and you know, think, You know, sometimes I can, I can help a parent out like that. But that's one of the things I recommend is really, really looking at a child's existing spontaneous single word vocabulary. And so for parents, I say just take a couple of days. Don't do it over two months because you're going to get 50 words over two months probably. But look at more like two days. What are the words he says on his own in two days? And a parent can just keep a little list, you know, m- maybe even on their phone. You know every time they hear him say a word on his own you know they record that or uh, you know a list at home on the fridge whatever they want to do there and you start to kind of look and say well gosh he really he's really only used like 20 something words in the last couple days on his own and for those kind of kids you know we're not there yet on phrases we've got to really build that single word vocabulary and sometimes you'll have a kid who does so well in therapy that it's a surprise when you have a family complete a word journal just over a couple of days and you're really shocked because you think gosh I'm getting this much in one hour with him how come mom's not hearing more more than this over a couple of days well the child's just responding so well to those cues that you're using during therapy and the strategies that you're using therapy during therapy and so on one hand you want to pat your back and say <laughs> pat yourself on the back and say oh, I have done such a good job with this child but on the other hand, He's not there yet. He's got to get it on his own, and he's got to use it at home with families. So in, in his everyday life when his therapist is not there, you know, using whatever special cue or whatever strategy that you're using with him. And so for those families, you say, hey, phrases are coming, but we've got to increase the single word vocabulary. And I'll tell you something else that I have do. Not every family, but most families, if a mom is, again, the families that are really into therapy, and you know what I mean by that they're following your strategies Uh, and the families that I work with you know when they're telling me I heard you say this on a podcast or I read this in that book that you gave me I know that they are really really trying on their own to make a difference in their child's language skills and so for parents like that who that this would not be overwhelming for I talk to them and say hey we're going to go back to school here and we're going to think back to English class and we are going to Uh, categorize the words that your kid uses so let's look at how many are nouns or names of things let's look at how many words are verbs or action words let's look at how many descriptive words are adjectives and adverbs and so if you're talking to your parent about that and you see their eyes glaze over and they say I was never good in school this I I made terrible grades this is just not my thing you'll know okay that's too much but for lots of parents they love it and they want to be this analytical about their kids skills so for those kinds of parents talk to them about that and see what you can get going there or do it with them in therapy after they've made their word journal take a look at that and say you know okay well this is fantastic but look at this you know, he does have, you know, in two days, you heard so much language. I'm so proud of him. Gosh, there's 60 words on this list. Did you realize that 55 of these words are nouns? <laughs> and it's going to be super hard for him to make a phrase with all nouns. And so he might be able to say something like, you know, mama's hair or daddy's shoe, you know, where he's combining, you know, and it wouldn't be the the possessive there. But, you know, you get my, my drift here, two word combinations. But you realize that you can't really do that with only names of things or only nouns. So, you've got to get some variety in that vocabulary. So, for those kids, you work on developing other parts of speech or other kinds of words that they can use. And so, really for those kids, it's just about vocabulary development. And some of our little friends, again, a lot of times our little guys with red flags for autism, even if they haven't gotten a diagnosis yet or even if they're kind of borderline... And the doctor's saying, uh, well, I want you to come back in a year. The developmental pediatrician, you know, uh, there's some hesitancy there. And they don't get the official diagnosis yet, but you know that they that that's what the team has been concerned about there are enough red flags and there a lot of those kids will learn lots and lots of nouns and i've I've met children that i've seen with 200 or 300 words but they're still not at the phrase level and it's almost always because there's not enough variety in their vocabulary, or the next thing that we're going to talk about, language disorders, which is the lack of pragmatic functions, which I'll explain in a minute, but a lot of times, just working on that vocabulary diversity will get you to phrases, and you've got to do it, because it's that foundational skill, and I think I started mentioning this a minute ago, and kind of took a different direction, but as pediatric pros and early intervention experts, we always have to be looking for, not only what the long-term goal is, but how do I fill in these gaps? How do I help a child? come together so that these higher level skills, like using phrases are going to be easier for him to accomplish. And we do that by building that foundation. And again, looking at those gaps and not just going straight for kind of, well, I'm just gonna teach him phrases. we're just gonna work on that. We're just, that's all we're gonna do. We're just gonna work on that without looking at what are the underlying things that I need to address. So vocabulary diversity is a big one that we wanna do with kids. And again, get your parents on board with this and say, you know, we've got to teach a lot more verbs here or you might have a situation where again we talked about um, in the reasons that a child may not speak in phrases you may have a mom or dad who are just stuck on one kind of word like those pre-academic words and so you may have to say please (laughs) let's please hold off on teaching him to count and say his abcs and know his colors and know his shapes and any of those other little things that a parent might work on because again they think they need him for school and you may have to say we've really got to teach him some verbs first and and talk about that and for our kids again with autism this is more an abstract kind of uh, concept because it's easier for them to look at a pen and say pen and know that that's a pen Rather than write or draw, because action words are again more abstract than it, it than uh, you would even think about unless you start really really focusing on why is this child having difficulty learning uh, words beyond nouns. So think about that with your vocabulary diversity, and make sure that you are teaching words from lots of different categories. Now, if that is a lot for you if you're a parent and again you're thinking this is over my head it's really not as hard as it seems so just what i recommend that parents do is instead of talking about you're still going to say let's just go back to our example a pen you're still going to use that noun but you need to really think about what's that action what's that function and try to teach that word and focus on that word and you might need a word list to kind of get you going on that that where you can simplify it enough and again you can find that in building verbal imitation and toddlers and that's at my website at teachmetotalk.com if and and that information will help you tremendously because you'll get uh, kind of a, a starting point or some ideas for a vocabulary list and you can address that and so you have nouns and you have verbs and you have prepositions which are really really important and those are location words like in and out and off and on and up and down and those kinds of words are super super important too and kids are probably following directions with those words and understanding those words but you might really really have to work on those to uh, help a child begin to acquire those expressive words, so that he can begin to uh, use phrases in that way too. So we talked about nouns, we talked about verbs, we talked about prepositions, and then pronouns are another important part of speech for toddlers to acquire. Kids with typically developing language skills begin to use pronouns by about 27 months. So within a few months of that second birthday. So words like my, you, I, those kinds of words. So, um, and any version of my is a huge word for toddlers mine me my and so those are good words to be sure that you're adding to and and uh pronouns are kind of fun to teach because you can tease a child and we'll talk about that in a minute when we get to the preferred word list for teaching phrases because you can often pair my with a noun and and get phrases pretty quickly because toddlers understand that that's the developmental level that they're in that's why they don't want to share that's why uh they have such a hard time with that so being really possessive about uh something and saying, you know, my book or my shoe or my whatever uh, really, really will help them kind of get over that hump to phrases too. So you've got to look at their vocabulary. And also I mentioned before the descriptive words, the adjectives and the adverbs. And again, if a parent is stuck on shapes, colors, letters, and numbers. I try to talk about other kinds of descriptives that they can do. Hot and cold and yucky and yummy. And again, you can um, get a list of those things and really think about developmentally where a child is and think about how can I teach that word in the situation? How can we emphasize something beyond that noun? So take take a look at that information if, if you need that. Um, I've already mentioned here that sometimes... Uh, therapist will disagree with building vocabulary to this point, especially for a child that has suspected childhood apraxia of speech, because they will say sequencing is the problem, so I want to give them something to sequence, but again, in my experience, I've really, really, really learned to stick to that, you know, no, we're going to wait until that child has 50 words or more before we really, really focus on phrase production in therapy. All right, so that was our first best strategy for teaching a toddler to use phrases build a child's vocabulary the second strategy is also really really um applicable to children with many different diagnoses or the reasons that we talked about that a child isn't using phrases yet (coughs) excuse me and it's called expansion pardon me it's called expansion So what is expansion? This is when a child says a single word. You, as the adult, add a word to it and then model the phrase. So if he says, go when he's seen a car you say go car and so you do that all day long or for a therapist all session long and you're you talk to your parent about it and you say listen we we've got to get him to phrases and one of the things we're going to do today is whenever he uses a single word we're going to take that word and we're going to expand it into a phrase And so, I want you to listen to me do it the first half of this session as we play, and you know, even as maybe you're working on another kind of goal, you say, I want you to pay really close attention to every time I do expansion. And sometimes, if you can get a parent to kind of say, I want you to tell me every time I do it, or you can get a parent who is a good data collector, and I have parents take data in therapy a lot, I'll have them be the person who keeps my word list. And I'll say, every time he says a word and I expand it, I want you to either write it or just keep a little tally mark. And let's see how I do within this 10-minute, you know, one activity. Let's say that we're going to do Play-Doh. And I'll say, I want you to really, really pay attention. And every time I expand it, I want you to give me a little mark. And so, or or say it, or let's talk about it. Or, you know, I had one mom that would say, there it is, there it is. And so that really helps a parent start to listen for it before they start to do it themselves. And so that's another great strategy that you can use here to teach a parent how to do it. Because again, we want parents to be using this information, not just when they're with us, and not when they're just focused on, you know, this is our therapy homework time, but all day long. And so you get them in the habit of practicing this even right in front of you and it becomes a lot easier for them. So if a kid says block when you're playing, if he's asking for a block, you could, you know, cue mom to say, let's let's see if he'll say block please, or let's see if he'll say more blocks or more block, or let's see if he'll say, you know, block down. And so you pair another word with it. And let me just say too, when we're doing expansion, It works best, and the child will be more likely to use expansion and really catch on and be able to, again, not only hear when a parent models that, but imitate that back is when they already use that word in their existing vocabulary. And it's really hard for particularly toddlers who've had language delays and disorders, and they're already in speech therapy, so there's a reason for them, uh, you know, you know that this is a bona fide problem for them um, it's going to be easier again for them to uh, effectively get to phrases when we have taught those words at the single level like we just talked about so when you're using expansion with a child don't always do it with a new word and so with typically developing toddlers that's what we would recommend because we would be again thinking about vocabulary expansion and everything that we can do to facilitate new words, but with our little late talkers, our kids with language delays or disorders who have had difficulty getting to phrases, don't pair a new word in a phrase. Take their existing words, and so that's why going back to that original strategy of having a large enough uh, spontaneous vocabulary is going to be really, really important because you then have got to have enough words to pick from from that child's word bank uh, while he's talking to uh, be able to produce phrases or model phrases that he might be able to imitate himself. And so think about that as well. And again, I think I've maybe overcomplicated it a little bit when I've tried to explain it. It is easier than it sounds by this explanation that I've tried to give here. But just just think about it. So if a kid is saying. Uh, mama, mama. And he's, you know, crying for mama. Think of another word that he could pair with mama um, and, and, and and put that together so that, again, that's going to be a more likely combination for him. All right. So that was our second strategy, expansion. So that when a child says a single word, we add a relevant word and don't pick something that's not going on. Try to keep it, you know, in the here and now. And let's say that he's, uh, I've given you some examples already, but let's say let's go back to Play-Doh, and let's say that you were uh, playing with the Play-Doh, and he says something like push, and or uh, yeah, let's just go with push. He says something like push, and you're thinking, you know, what what am I going to add here? You know, push down, whatever the shape, uh, the cookie cutter that you're using for the Play-Dohs. You know, push cat, push. More, You know, think about the words that he has. You know, naturally a parent might want to say, push Play-Doh, push Play-Doh. But if he's never said Play-Doh, that's going to be hard for him. So talk to parents about that as therapist. And again, as a therapist, you know this, but be sure that you're kind of sticking to it. And sometimes with the, when we're using expansion with a child, that's what I'll think. I'll think this isn't working because I'm not paying close enough attention to what the, the extra word that I'm adding is. What the new word, it's too new. And so go back and use the child's existing words there. All right, the third strategy for teaching toddlers to use phrases is this is kind of a cheat step. Here we're going to try to introduce holistic phrases that express emotion that are really phrase-length. But the word holistic there gives you an idea of what's going on, even though the child is technically saying two or three words here, he's learned it as one whole phrase. And so phrases like, no way, or give me that, or where to go, or what's that? Kids may say those kinds of things, but really they, and they may say them early. And sometimes even therapists can get tricked by this. You know, you'll get a kid that says a lot of holistic phrases and a therapist is going to kind of check off that he uses phrases without thinking that's an overlearned, automatic, holistic, whatever you want to call it, phrase. It's not a truly spontaneous, self-generated phrase here. The child has learned it, again, as one chunk. All right, so it sounds like that's kind of a negative thing, but it's really not because for some children, Uh, and we talked about this for kids with apraxia some kids really need that extra step to help them sequence so for some kids we do intentionally introduce those little phrases you know i got it um you know any of those little things that i've already said oh boy that words that are paired together like that naturally that will help them learn to sequence that and again oh boy to them doesn't mean oh and boy you know it means wow or you know something like that some kind of exclamatory you know oh I'm so surprised here but they've learned it as one word but that still provides enough practice sequencing they still learn to say that and say that enough and those little phrases help so much too because they express so much emotion that kids like it and they'll want to continue to say those little things as they play just like we do I'm sure if you listen to your self-talk you have some things some little whole phrases that you use all the time and kids may pick up on that if you're a mom and so uh, rather than a therapist or I have kids I say a lot of times in therapy when I like something or when a kid has done something great I'll say I love it and a lot of my little friends will say that too and so again think about how uh, effective that can be and it doesn't work for all kids but it works for some kids (coughs) all right excuse me my They're cutting hay in central Kentucky, as you can tell by my voice. And so I am really hoarse and coughing today. Sorry about my need for water. These allergies. All right, so that was strategy number two. We're going to practice expansion. All right, strategy number three of my list of seven best strategies for teaching a child to use phrases would be, uh, oh gosh, that's not three, we're on four, is to carefully select your new phrase targets. Now we talked about this already with expansion, but this was so important, I wanted to give its own number here. Carefully select your new phrase targets. And so we talked about this with, we're not gonna combine a new word with an old word to try to get a phrase with our kids who've had a lot of difficulty we're going to try to get uh, use their existing words here and again here we might also think about another category which would be high frequency familiar words so um words and we're going to talk about this with the next one the next strategy too taking a word (coughs) even that a kid might not say yet all the time but pairing it with it and social words are like this so instead of saying mama Hi, mama, or bye, bye, mama, or uh, you know, just another word that again, high frequency word. they putting putting a name with something. So if a kid wants milk, you know, milk, mama would be a good re- request for a child when he wants his mom to get him some milk, and that's something that he can already say. So that leads us to this fifth strategy, which is introducing anchor words. So when we're when we're using this strategy, and again, this is so helpful, particularly with our little friends with red flags for childhood apraxia of speech, uh, because they only have to change one word in the phrase, and you can practice this with enough frequency and with enough repetition that you can give those kids that motor practice that they need. So, for kids like this, for anchor words, what, what you would do is just pick a word that they say all the time, and then pair lots of other words with it and so we already used a high frequency word back with strategy number four that we just talked about with a word like bye-bye we might practice saying bye-bye to all kinds of things in the session now this is really really uh handy at cleanup time so let's say that you're cleaning up pieces of the puzzle and you're putting them back in your bag or a ziploc bag which i use all the time or a basket Or whatever you're putting the pieces away and so you would practice if it's a a transportation puzzle you would say bye bye truck and then the next piece is a uh, puzzle piece is a car so you would say bye bye car and the next piece is an airplane and you would say bye bye airplane and some of you who are therapists are already thinking I hope you are You've made that too complex if you're saying, you know, bye-bye airplane. You've made that four syllables instead of two syllables. And that's what you try to do. So with our kids who are, uh, have that difficulty sequencing and combining, think about reducing the number of syllables too. So instead of bye-bye airplane, what are you going to say? By plane. And so, again, if you are a therapist, this is really basic to you. But guess what? Our parents don't know this, the parents of children that we're working with. So you have to really, really explain it and say, you know, that's too long. That Those are too many syllables for him to use. So let's try to simplify that. And so instead of uh, bye-bye choo-choo train, you know, bye-bye choo-choo would be fabulous. And again, that's still four syllables. But you get my point here. You've simplified it and you've made it easier for a child to do. And so think about what your anchor word could be and how many different other words you could combine with that. And so we used an example before with go. So when we have a child who can say go, we're going to do lots of activities, uh, within the session or talk to mom about how many times she can pair go with something else, you know. And so as they're playing with, uh, a set of Hot Wheels, Vehicles, you know, they can do like we talked about with the transportation puzzle. Go car, go truck, go whatever. Let's say that they're play, you're playing with a farm set, you know, and you have. Let's say that a kid can say night night. He's he loves a night night game. He loves when you pretend like you're asleep and he wakes you up. And so you could do that with his little farm animals too. Transition to that, you know, night night cow, night night pig night night horse night night dog even if they're doing even if they're still kind of at the level where they call a cow a moo or they call um, the horse neigh instead of horse you could say you know bye nay or bye moo and practice that and sometimes therapists again are a little hesitant to do that or maybe the therapist is not hesitant the parent might be a little hesitant about that because they say this does not sound mature this does not sound like he sounds too much like a baby that's all right you've explained we're working on sequencing here and I just want him to get bye and woof you know he says woof for a dog if he's saying bye woof we're gonna take it knowing that over time we're going to get dog instead of wolf, but right now our goal is to really help him get over that hump and make that leap to phrases. And so think about that. Think about what anchor words you can use. And again, go back to that vocabulary list. And I hope that I have shown you as we're even talking through these examples, how important getting a solid vocabulary list is so that a child can um, so is, is more likely to be successful because you've been more successful as the adult, as the therapist or as the parent here. Uh, helping a child with that. So go back and look at what's a word that he says all the time. That can be his anchor word. I'm going to use that as his anchor word today, and we're going to try to pair lots of different words from that. And again, taking words that he can already say will make that so much easier for him. All right, strategy number six with the best strategies for teaching toddlers to use phrases is to teach sequencing. And the best way to do this isn't by, you know, you may be thinking sequencing, that's what we've been talking about all along with phrases, but here what I want you to think about is helping a child learn how to sequence just using one single word, and we talked about this with the anchor phrases, and this is because it reduces the complexity, it makes it simple enough so that a child can do it. So we want to have him saying the same word over and over and over sequentially or, you know one right after another so that he builds that sequencing ability and again this is so important for children with motor planning issues or uh, suspected apraxia because that's what they have trouble with and that's I mean that's the nature of apraxia that's that's what apraxia is you can't sequence sounds and so instead of like counting as a child would go upstairs or downstairs we would pick a single word so instead of counting as we go down we would say what we would then say down, 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 or up, 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 up. Or um, a lot of times, you know, I have kids who really like the game ready, set, go. Instead of me trying to get them to say ready, set, go, we'll just practice go, 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 go. And then that's when we run. And so think about that. Think about how you can introduce sequencing. One Another favorite way that I like to work on this is with a counting book. And so you might have a book that on the first page, there's one ball. And so we say ball. And on the next page, there are two cats. And so instead of counting cats, we say cat, cat. And then on the next page, there are three babies. So we say baby, baby, baby. And on the next page, there are four shoes. So what would you say? shoo 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 and so talk to parents about how they can do that I had one little boy one time who just was oh he was so apraxic but one of the things he liked to do that his mom let him do was help her in the kitchen so she would have him uh, put up things from the dishwasher so he would try to say you Know fork fork fork, and it, it sounded more like all all all, you know, for fork because you know that's a really hard word and F at the beginning, and then an R and a K. But he can get the you know all oh part, and so the vowel there, and so that's one of the ways that we really taught him to sequence is really. Focusing on using this strategy throughout the day so we got enough practice. Now, singing is another great way to work on sequencing. But again, you've got to be careful so that you don't get so many words in there that a kid can't do it. And so instead of singing something like, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream, you would just sing what? Row, 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 row. And that gives the child enough practice. And again, you're probably going to want to use a better target word than row with an initial r there but if he and i just gave another example like that with fort too but if he is if he likes that song and he can do an o that would be a fantastic target uh for you to do and so with singing think about that too how can i use singing and again the melodic Uh, principles of singing, the melodic characteristics of trying to sing a song, that'll help a kid too to be a little bit more sing-song, and we didn't talk about that, but that's, oh gosh, that's the next strategy, change your volume and prosody or melody, that's our last one, and it's so effective for so many kids when you're modeling to encourage a child to imitate, is to change that either uh, prosody or melody like we just talked about, instead of saying, bye mom, you know, you could do bye mama, and that sing song voice quality will help a lot of kids be able to do that too. Now, another really cool trick here is changing your volume, and so sometimes we instinctively do this with kids. We know that they like things that are loud or things that are really quiet, in a whisper, so that's something you can do too. Is model a new phrase, changing your volume. So you might scream it, you know. And a, again, sometimes parents get a little bit perturbed because you it feels like you're teaching their kid to be a little bit sassy. But you know, if you're having them say, you know, more please, that is so intriguing to a two year old who's having a really hard time. And you just again, when a kid, when I teach a kid to do that, and we play that kind of silly, kind of screaming game like that. They are so into that, and whether you're using bubbles or a snack or whatever it is that you're using with that, they think that's funny, and they think whispering is equally funny. And so, use those kinds of changes in your volume, in your prosody, and in your melody to get that too. All right, so those were our seven best strategies for teaching toddlers to use phrases. Let's run through them one more time. Number one, you can build a child's vocabulary. And why do you want to do that? You want to get to that 35 to 50 word benchmark so that a kid uh, is there and has enough words to combine. And you want to be sure that you're building vocabulary, variety, and diversity here. Number two was practice expansion. So what was expansion? It's another pop quiz. You take the one word that the child has said and you add another word to it. You expand it. You say that back to him and you try to uh, get him to... Uh, imitate your phrase the third strategy try holistic phrases that express emotion remember we we used examples like I got it I did it where'd it go what's that no way oh man you know those kinds of strategies so holistic phrases that express emotion and I, I think I forgot to say this our little friends with ASD really pick up on those very very quickly because especially a kid who um A lot of times we'll work on this and they haven't been echolalic, but then we get them to do phrases and we start to hear echolalia. That's okay, too. But know that this is just kind of your in-between step. The fourth strategy, you're going to carefully select your new phrase targets, meaning that you're going to pick words from a child's existing vocabulary. Strategy number five, use anchor words to practice new phrases so you'll pair One existing word with lots of different words like go-car, go-boat, go-plane, those kinds of things. Number six, you're going to teach sequencing. You're going to practice one word at a time in sequences. So, um, up, 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 up or go, 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 go. And again, I don't think I mentioned this, but prepositions and verbs work really, really well for that. And then number seven, our last best strategy was change your volume or your prosody or melody. So you change how you say things. So I hope that's been helpful for you today to get uh, you to help a toddler get over the hump when he's learning how to move from single words to phrases. And remember that you can get Uh, a more comprehensive review of this information from my therapy manual building verbal imitation skills in toddlers and or get the handout if you'll purchase CE credit for this course and you can find that at my website which is teachmetotalk.com all right that's all for today I'm Laura Mize pediatric speech language pathologist and thank you so much for joining me for the 400th episode of teach me to talk the podcast have a great week (laughs)